Crimes While Caffeinated contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Sup, bitch? Sup, bitch? Okay, you take it away, Abby. Introduce us. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to Crimes While Caffeinated. I am Abby, one of your co-hosts. <laughs> I am Marissa, your other co-host. And, uh, and here's the, the mascot, Leo. Oh, smell the microphone. Yes. Leo, our uh, official podcast mascot, a.k.a. Maria's Maria. <laughs> That's almost worse than saying the wrong name of the podcast. Maria! Maria. Oh, no. I once met a girl named Maria. Leo just had his butthole very close to my straw. Mm. <laughs> mm. And now you're going to drink from it. Shielded it. He's fine. I kiss him on his mouth. What's the difference? What's the difference between his mouth and butt? Obviously, I'm kidding. Obviously, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, Fun thing I want to quickly share before we jump into our coffee. Also, Mm -hmm. because I guess I'm fucking it up. But look at the cookie I got! Single taken hungry. That's cute. You like a cookie, baby? You like a cookie, baby? Oh, I did that. Oh, I did that. Sorry. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, I am Marissa, not uh, Maria. Um, not Maria. Not Maria. How are you doing, Abby? Um, I'm good. Uh, let me think of what's going on in my life. Um, yesterday, Anna and I went to go visit her mom. Her mom mm-hmm. just moved to a new apartment, so she had us over. Well, that's fun. Um, yeah, so we spent the whole day over there. It was really nice. And that is how my weekend has been so far. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, my weekend, um, we're filming on Sunday, has been good. Not a whole, not a whole lot going on. Uh, Leo skulking in the background. Um, I didn't do anything yesterday, which um, I recently have seen rewatched the John Mulaney New in Town um, special, and he says in it like, "When you ask an adult, and they're like, what did you do this weekend?' and they're like, "I did nothing." like that it's like a good thing though I don't know in the year of 2020 slash 2021 if that's like really the same mood anymore it's more of like more it's more exciting if you've actually had something to do rather than had nothing to do that's true because everybody's weekends are filled with nothing lately so yeah so um I was doing some cross stitching and Uh, have been continuing to work out which has been good for me and my mental health Um, but um, so yesterday the wi-fi was out um, and I couldn't hook up my peloton bike so I did like a normal workout 
quote unquote normal workout. Um, mm-hmm. So I can't walk today and it <laughs> really fucking hurts. Like it's painful to like sit down in this chair. It's painful to get into a car. I think it's also partly, you know, like the fitness marshal on YouTube. He like, no. okay. So there's this guy called the fitness marshal and he'll okay. like do like, workout dances to like popular songs and post them on YouTube so of course your girl had to do the WAP and I think that that's really what destroyed my legs you did the WAP and it wrecked you top it get dropped it was a lot of uh a lot of thigh squats a lot of getting down low 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 um also uh just really quick antidote because you know me um i started uh i I was listening to a peloton class slash i was taking the peloton class and they started to play songs from like when we were growing up like leaving by jesse mccartney which like slaps that was a sexual awakening (laughs) um but but uh so then I was like, oh, like, what are other songs that, like, bring back, like, that period of my life? Slash, also, I was thinking, like, thinking of you. Like, what were songs that we enjoyed in college? So I was looking up college year songs, and um, there were some bops. Uh, and um, also he, in the same ride, uh, made us listen to two Katy Perry songs before a Britney Spears song, which if you don't know, Abby is obsessed with Katy Perry. I have a tattoo for her. It says firework. I'm surprised you didn't get another one for Daisy. Daisy Dove Bloom? Um, not, not yet. Just just everyone who can see the video, which that's if we ever get enough subscribers to post it on YouTube, because I found out you can't post more than 15 minutes on YouTube. Um, Abby is (laughs) glowing um, with her just love for a person that she's never met, Um, which same, same, but I'm so, I'm so happy for her that I'm so happy for Katie. Like, I feel like she's living such a good life, a nice mom life. I feel like this is good for her and I'm, I'm happy for her. Talking about pregnancies. Did you know that Halsey was pregnant? Yes. Marissa, you were off of the internet for a while. I told. Okay. 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 It was actually a very big deal when she announced it. Like it was, it was all over everywhere. I could, I, what you know, fuck? I wasn't, I couldn't escape seeing Halsey's pregnancy announcement, even at, you know. She's 26, and though I don't want kids right now, that makes me feel very uncomfy because I'm 26. <laughs> A lot of people our age have babies. My mom already had me by the time she was 25. Okay, so but we can't, com- we can't compare ourselves to our mothers because my mother already had two kids by this time. So I yeah. don't, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. <clears throat> Listen, Anyways. We're all in different paths of life and it's okay. And Halsey's, Halsey's path can be different than yours, Marissa. So it's okay that Halsey is pregnant. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, up until now, like Halsey and I have like been on the same page of like things we've accomplished by the age of 26. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Grammy, Grammy nominations, you know, you guys are both right up there. (laughs) I'm waving to all of my fans. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, what are you drinking for coffee today? I am drinking today. Okay, so I actually have very important coffee news. Um, updated review of the Fruity Pebbles creamer. Oh! Because I have still been drinking it. Because I Because you don't want to waste it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so um, I discovered that it tastes much better in iced coffee. Oh. Okay. Okay, so I'm assuming you're doing the Eldorado coffee. No, um, I finished the Elder. I finished the Eldorado coffee. Now I am drinking uh, the Donut Shop blend from Aldi. <laughs> so, and then I have my Fruity Pebbles creamer, and yeah, it's much better in cold coffee, which makes sense because Fruity Pebbles are not even hot. <laughs> so. Yeah, you know what? That is a, that is a fair point. Um, so I bought, I'm glad that uh, that is a plus in your book. I have gotten a local coffee shop um, nice. in Be- Beverly, Mass. Um, it is called The Bagel Shop. This is the size of the large. The size of your head. The size of my head. Um, I did think that I would drink half of this. And then, um, spoiler alert, we have a collab coming out, um, which we're also filming today. So I thought that I would drink the other half during our collab, though that is going to be at like 3 p.m. Um, so do I want to go to bed tonight? That's the real question. Um, I am drinking the Bagel Shop um, iced coffee in uh, cookie dough flavor. Ooh. That sounds delicious. They also have a, a Girl Scout, which is basically Thin Mint. So, nice. but they offer that all year round. So, oh, that's delightful. I love that. Yes. Okay, so shout out to the Bagel Shop in Beverly, Massachusetts. And then for the for the cookie um, slash donut, I'm trying not to eat the donut um, because I bought I bought it for my dad. It is a Funfetti donut, and it's from this place called Half Baked. So, Funfetti donuts. Not showing it. There There we go. There's the ASMR. (laughs) ASMR of the wax paper. Yep, holding the. Um, But they're so cute. You walk into their shop, and they have all these like super cute signs. So one of them says like, "Please do not enter." if you have one of these three things and it was COVID-19 homophobia or racism. And I was like, nice. Um, and then they have one that says, I want buns of steels, but I also want buns of cinnamon. True. So yeah. Anyways. 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 Uh- <laughs> no that's that's so cute I like that you got a donut for your dad that's cute well I mentioned it to him a few weeks ago um and then I guess he's been annoying my mom by saying he wants something sweet and my mom's trying to be healthy too um as I stuck down like probably a year's worth of sugar and cream in my coffee <laughs> um 
but um, I'm, I'm going to bring it to my parents later today and um, bring it to my dad. So nice. Um, oh, shoot. I forgot what I was going to say. Keep talking. From the top, make it drop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, stop talking. <laughs> Do you like my Ariana Grande uh, ponytail? Yeah, you have a little a little half up, half down do today, and it looks super cute on you. I love the waves. Thanks. Um, oh, I was going to say that uh, at the school that I work at, um, we do some, like, activities. There are some activities that parents can come to the school for, and it's, like, parent bonding um, with, their, with their child. So for Mother's Day, we do muffins with mom. And for Father's Day, we do donuts with dad. So oh. the, the parents can come to the school and have a little breakfast with um, little, little breakfast with the kids and, and, and hang out with them for a little bit. It's very, it's a very cute thing. Although I don't think it'll be happening this year. It didn't happen last year because we were closed. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it'll be happening this year either. Oh, but that's so cute. So cute. Yeah. Yeah. So when uh, you said you were bringing your dad a donut, just reminded me donuts with dad. Uh, yay. Um, okay, guys. So kind of jumping in. Um, as Andrew and Becca mentioned uh, that they listened to the last week's episode and they're like, um, we, we tuned in uh, knowing that there would be true crime, but we didn't hear much true crime at the beginning. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> so, okay. So we're going to jump into <laughs> it. Plus also, this is, I would, I would say this is one of the first cases that Abby and I ever really talked about as friends. Um, because this happened in 2013 and we met in 2013. And this is also the most, like, when I, this is, when I first started to get into true crime, conspiracy theories, you know, paranormal stuff, all of that, I was watching a lot of YouTube and this was one of the first cases that became the most exciting for me he just chased something behind the couch I don't know okay cool cool uh I at first I could I thought there was like a ghost or something I was like she said par- no, it's just Leo it's literally a piece of plastic what is wrong with you it's an exciting piece of plastic more exciting than all the toys you've ever purchased for him i I literally bought i literally (laughs) bought him a remote control mouse yesterday and he just sat there and looked at it (laughs) as it's zooming as it's zooming around my apartment and i was like i spent 16 dollars on this and you're playing with a piece of plastic yes that is he has it in his mouth oh don't eat it leo do you need to go take it out of his mouth? <laughs> do you think PETA would come for me if I just let him do- eat plastic? Yeah. Oh, fine. One He's like fully consuming it. Go get, go get it out of his mouth. Leo. <laughs> Shoot. I love you. Marissa has recovered the piece of plastic. Leo did not eat it. Just as an update. For, for as an update i'm here i'm here i'm here um so uh so anyways going back to the um uh, now he's thing. looking for the piece of plastic sorry 
<laughs> it's okay. He's there for entertainment. I, when I was re-watching slash editing last week's episode of the video, I just started to notice him like jumping up on the couch behind me throughout the entire thing. He's okay. Anyways, if I keep looking at him, I'm, we're just never going to do anything. Um, <laughs> um, so this is, yes, one of the first cases that we ever talked about. Super excited to talk about it. Rewatching it yesterday to take the notes. I was like, oh my God, I cannot wait to talk to Abby about this. Um, yes, this is, this is just, this is one of the first cases that got me so interested and I would talk about it with literally anybody who would listen to me um yes so so this is like honestly one of our like gateway crimes um but I wanted to ask you because I want the listeners I, I want us to kind of I want to before we jump into it I wanted what was your thoughts about what happened to Elisa Lamb prior to watching this documentary and then we can revisit it at the end when we've watched all of the the footage um, because I know that you had a certain perspective and I had a certain perspective and mine definitely changed by the end of watching this documentary and so I want to I want to you know discuss it and get it all out there first off. So my opinion actually has not changed, and I am going to be very critical of this documentary. We can Ooh, talk about. Oh, okay. We'll talk about we will talk about it next episode. I'm going to be extremely critical of this documentary series. Um, okay. I, I'm excited for this. <laughs> oh, I have strong opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but my initial. My initial thoughts when um, I first learned about this case, um, in case we didn't already like fully say we're doing the Cecil Hotel Eliza Lamb uh, documentary. Um, um, it's in the title of the episode. They know. They I know. On it. <laughs> I know, but we need to do the like, this is what we're doing part, right? No. Yes. Yeah, so okay. we're, we're going to be looking at crime scene season one. The uh, vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, which is what it's called, um, even though everybody keeps calling it the Cecil Hotel. So, <laughs> initially, uh, when I first learned about this case, my thought was that uh, there was some foul play involved mm-hmm. in her death, that there was. Um, <clears throat> there was foul play there was some kind of she my initial belief was that she was she was murdered or there was something somebody that was with her at the time of her death that did not come forward and they were not able to find that person Mm -hmm. so we'll get into it later but you believe that there was a person within that 30 seconds that they cut from the video um, not necessarily, not necessarily, mm-hmm. but, um, I think there could be evidence, like, hmm, we're going to get there. We're going to okay. get there. Okay. Okay. But <laughs> your, but your initial thoughts is that she was murdered. It was either someone that she knew or somebody involved with the hotel that was yes. responsible for it. Yes. Okay. I was also under the same um, thought process 
um, before watching it because as a lot of people and as we'll get into it, I keep, I don't want to jump ahead, but it's also like, it's important to kind of give like what my uh, perspective was because we knew so much about it back then because it was like fresh, new, everybody knew about it pretty much. Everyone had seen the video footage, especially if you liked true crime, if you liked mysteries and thrillers almost. Um, But I definitely was under the impression that because she was in the water tank, spoiler alert, um, she was in the water tank and my thought process was is that it had been shared, that the, the cover to the tank was closed and locked, was that someone else had to have locked the thing, which also um, how to get away with murder kind of the season one kind of copied that because like, isn't that how the first person was dead? I never saw how to get I saw a little bit of the first season of how to get away with murder, but I never like watched the whole show. No, no, no. It, it was like the first episode, like the whole thing started because like a college student was found in a water tank of the college or apartment building. Oh, I don't remember, but okay. Yes, sure. But I, I always remembered that being like, because that came out like very quickly afterwards, which I, anyways, we'll get into it. But um, so we're both, we were both on slash Abby might still be on team. She was murdered by somebody or foul play was involved. Yes. Okay. Um, for uh, the notes that I took today, um, for comparison, uh, The Night Stalker, uh, part one and two, I took eight pages of notes. I only took p- five for this one. So, um, and I didn't stop it as much. I literally just kind of like did um, like the note taking, like while you were in class type of, like the thing just keeps playing and you just quickly type down the important stuff so that there'll be room for discussion. So that's good. Okay, Abby, take it away. Oh, you want to get okay. Why don't you why don't you lead us off cuz you have the first okay. The first note. Totally fine. Okay, so uh like I said, this is crime scene season 1. My mother is pretty sure that there's going to be season 2, which is going to be a different story. Um kind of probably like, because this this was a pretty successful documentary. Oh, series. for sure. Um, so it's called Crime, uh, Crime Scene, The Vanishing of this at the Cecil Hotel. It's on Netflix. It came out 2021. Um, so they kind of give like this pre-quick, uh, almost like trailer to it in the beginning yeah. where everyone's like, the whole hotel is deceiving. It's beautiful, but also ugly. It, there's been missing people. There's been suicide. There's been murder. Like many people wonder if there is a curse associated with it, which I'm under the inclination that there is definitely some bad juju in that hotel. Um, Bad things keep happening and everyone keeps asking why. And then we're kind of introduced to Elisa Lamb. She's a 21 year old college student who goes goes to California, is staying at the Cecil Hotel and disappears. And it becomes a worldwide phenomenon because of some of the actions Um, that were taken and things that were shared via the internet. This is honestly one of the first viral court cases slash crime scenes. Um, And so they say crime and violence as it it continues to like call to us, like people are drawn to it. So we get a flashback 
um, and we see 2012 Canada. So Abby, right. I'll let you take this part. So then we are introduced to uh, Eliza Lamb through her Tumblr page. Um, so she was a big Tumblr user, as were most people. I was <laughs> legit about to say, I was like, so uh, when we all were on Tumblr, do you still yeah. have a Tumblr? Um, I, I think my Tumblr page still exists, but I don't use it anymore. <laughs> same, same. I have one friend who recently got back into Tumblr. Um, but I was like, I don't know. I think it was more of like a high school phase type thing. Yeah, it was definitely like a very teenager, um, a teenage type of website. And if, if anyone's unfamiliar with Tumblr that's listening, it was basically just a blogging platform. You could, you could blog, you could, um, you could post pictures. People a lot of like, um, shit. Hold on one second. I think Anna was connected to the Alexa in our room. <laughs> Music just started playing. Um, it, it was a lot of like where those like ships would happen, like Mark, like they had the the movie um, fans and uh, tropes and stuff. So like a lot of yeah. Marvel, a lot of Supernatural, a lot of Doctor Who, a lot of Harry Potter, like pretty much all of the like a lot of Glee, a lot of Glee. Um, just a lot of like people who thought like and by people I mean like Abby and I um mm -hmm. I'm gonna speak for myself but I think that Abby might agree with this um we all thought that we were hot shit and that our tumblr page was super cool and so like <laughs> you would do like the different themes and then you'd post like you know super like emo-y things but then also super artsy things and you're like I'm unique but then we were all pretty much the, exactly the same yeah, so it was, you know, it was just another social media site that was really run by teenagers. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Eliza Lamb was big into Tumblr. She used it essentially as a diary, so she posted about her life, um, and she really enjoyed using Tumblr as the way of, like, um, venting and talking about whatever she was stressed about, so she shared um on that page that she was stressed about college she was stressed about just her life in general she wasn't really sure what she wanted out of life what she wanted to do um you know basically your your typical early 20s uh kind of feelings yeah them, them reading off the entries I was like this is definitely what my blog entries and diary entries read like so right exactly so it's very common you know she's she's very similar to a lot of the other young people that were using tumblr at the time um so she had decided to go on a uh, vacation to go to california and she was going to visit i think was it three different cities in california yeah um, i know san francisco was on there i think san was, diego was yeah, on there. i think it was san diego san francisco and la and she wanted to do a little tour of california visit a bunch of different cities be a tourist and kind of explore which is again another typical early 20s desire to to branch out mm-hmm <clears throat> Uh, so February 1st, 2013, Elisa Lamb, and I think that we keep our, we're going to just keep going back to different ways of pronouncing her name, because I know that throughout it, everyone keeps kind of pronouncing it different. Yeah. Um, but Elisa Lamb um, 
it goes missing. Um, basically, like we said, she's reported missing February 1st. She arrives at the hotel January 28th and is supposed to be staying there for four days, meaning that she'd be mm-hmm. leaving the 31st. And that was the last time her parents had heard from her. So the LAPD gets called in, um, homicide specifically. Um, and uh, the person, the head detective we kind of talked to throughout it is named Tim Marcia. Um, he explains that about 18 cops were put on the case. Um, they, and we just, we hear from a lot of talking heads. So I didn't really include all of their names. Sorry guys. Um, but there were just honestly too many for me to run around trying to say all their names. Yeah, um, yeah there was a bunch of like reporters, uh, YouTubers, um, okay. <laughs> like they use a bunch of different people to comment on this. Yeah. And so uh, a lot of people felt like she either went missing, was lost, or that she had died in some sort of accident. Um, but she was last seen at the Cecil. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we kind of jump into the history of the CISA hotel, um, which they also were saying like a lot of international or young people who were traveling chose to stay at the Cecil or as we later find out, stay on Maine because they could afford the prices. I mean, it was $85 a night, like in downtown. Yeah. Downtown LA. That's, that's pretty cheap. Yeah. Um, But of course, as we know, it's not everything is as it appears. Um, it was essentially it was essentially used as like a youth hostel, um, mm-hmm. or at least part of it was. Uh, so people traveling from other countries, similar to how Americans travel to Europe and stay in hostels, people traveling from other countries could stay there cheap. It was a there were communal bathrooms. They talk about um, yeah, it's a big it hit like, or miss. <laughs> it was like bunk beds in the rooms, like uh, you were staying with people. Sometimes you were put to stay with strangers people you didn't know so the, that's pretty the much poor it. person who had to stay with uh crystal becca and i at our hostel um in barcelona where i literally was <laughs> i we just we were being so loud and so drunk and the girl spoke english but she pretended like she didn't speak english just to avoid talking to us amazing <laughs> anyways <laughs> um then, then we get introduced to Amy Price. She was the general manager of the Cecil from 2007 to 2017. She's also a little bit of like a character. She's real weird. She's I, real I, weird. I've, I've seen a couple of memes on. I've seen a couple of memes featuring her. Like I saw one that was like, "Get somebody that that talks about you the way that this woman talks about the Cecil Hotel." <laughs> oh my god. Because she's like she's she loves it. it it she has like this weird love for for this hotel that she worked at for so long I it's- actually was watching a video about um the guy was looking at her body language mm-hmm. and so he was like going through the whole thing and which I also loved because he was like yeah her forehead looks like it's unable to move so she clearly has had Botox and I'm like damn okay call a well, girl out <laughs> it's LA so yeah um but yeah she's she's definitely weird yeah she's just she's really really weird and then she so she explains that um the 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 room that um Elisa was supposed to be staying in was room 
506. It was bunk bed style, like a hostel. There were communal bathrooms down the hall. Um, it was a typical room. And she also explains that the room had already been cleaned by the staff before uh, the cops came because they were used to people leaving stuff after checking out. Um, and uh, Elisa never checked out of the Cecil, but they went and cleaned her room. And they went and cleaned the room anyway to prepare it for the next guests. Um, so she says, like, you know, they were they everything had been left behind her her wallet her backpack her clothes everything was was in there um and they just kind of bagged it up and took it um because they said it was not uncommon for people to leave a lot of things behind um she mentions that there was a snake in the bathtub that they found like somebody just left their pet snake in the bathtub once um which just like ew yeah (laughs) i hate snakes but Ew. Yeah, no, no thanks. So uh, the cops go through her belongings. Like I said, everything was left behind. Her laptop, wallet, her me- her medication, her clothing, everything. So she clearly like wasn't like you know running away to somewhere else. Like s- somehow she had gone missing, and it- and it seemed like very strange. Um, they also said that the room that she had been staying in was messy, but not like there was nothing. Um out of order about it didn't look like anybody had like attacked her in there or like robbed her anything like that yeah it didn't look like a crime scene um so we then get like this uh shift over so we go to plymouth england which i am dumb as shit um just wanted to point this out to you if you didn't already know but it occurred to me (laughs) (laughs) yes I'm this is honestly kind of embarrassing out of us I have a master's degree that is going to be my new catchphrase I have a master's degree um so it occurred to me while talking to Becca and uh Andrew about Plymouth um that I was like oh like Becca did you take because Andrew's from England I was like oh did you take him to Plymouth Rock as a joke because when you're from Massachusetts or around this area you always take people to Plymouth Rock to look at a rock that they just randomly carved numbers into. Um, mm-hmm. And he was like, no, but I've been to like Plymouth, England, where like they sailed off from. And I was like, oh, my God, they sailed off from Plymouth, England to then go and name a place Plymouth, England? And yes. I just never put the two things together. That's why Plymouth, Massachusetts is. Yes. I'm I'm dumb. I know I'm dumb. Geography is not taught to us. (laughs) It's not. You just never learned geography. Nope. Nope. I never never learned geography of Europe. (laughs) Anyways, I'm I'm dumb as shit. Anyways, uh, Mike and Sabina Bog, um, we meet them. They traveled um, from Plymouth (laughs) um, to L.A., And they booked a stay at the CISA hotel. Um, They were like, oh, wow, like, this is downtown. It's cheap, like, super excited. Um, But they were very shocked to find what they, what the CISA hotel looked like. From the outside, it looked very nice. But the inside, it, as um, Mike describes it, it's like walking back in time, like, as if they entered, like, 1986. Also, the film footage that they showed really looked like, almost like a really shitty apartment building. Um... Which we know that it is, pretty much. Yeah, um, 
it's uh he describes it as being dirty and dusty but they didn't really care too much because they were like oh well we'll just be sleeping here and showering here otherwise we'll be out and about um uh, they were tired at one point when they went out to go get food and they kept asking people where the Cecil Hotel was because they got lost. Um, mm-hmm. And everyone that they kind of talked to like was looking at them like they were fucking crazy. Like, why are you, why do you want to go there? Um, and this was obviously like because a lot of people knew that Elisa Lamb had gone missing from the Cecil Hotel as well as I'm sure just the bad reputation that that place has in general. Yeah. Um, and so they start to wonder to themselves, like, are we okay? Are we safe in this hotel? And, uh, you know, I feel bad for these people. We'll get to it later. <laughs> um, I feel so bad for those people. So uh, the police start looking at the um, employees uh, to kind of get an idea of what could have happened, if anybody interacted with Elisa before her death, anything. Um, That's when we meet Santiago Lopez. He was a repairman in the building. Um, He starts talking about, he starts talking about how the cops searched, um, the cops were searching the hotel. Um, So apparently prior, uh, like one of the last sightings of Elisa Lamb was in the hotel. She was in an area of the hotel she was not supposed to be, and she was asked to leave. Um, and she did, I believe, right? She just... Yeah, I don't really know. They didn't really say where. I think it's happen. near the roof. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i assuming, but, um, but they never actually spelt it out of where she was found that she wasn't supposed to be. Uh, I believe I believe it's at the top floor near the roof is where she was, um, because you're not supposed to go like. Also, because of like the separation between the stay on Main and the rest of the hotel, mm, yeah, like they, she wasn't she was a, a guest of the stay on Main, so she might might have been in like the residential area, which the residential rooms, which um, it w- was not for hotel guests, so could have been there. Anyway, um. She was asked to leave. She left. Uh, Then we meet a reporter, Josh Dean, who was reporting the case. He talks about um, he talks about Lisa's trip uh, to. I think it was the British Columbia College. I don't even know if I got that right, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) So she uh, she was attending classes at British Columbia College um in British Columbia Canada (laughs) um and they uh quickly the the police and the media found her tumblr page and were able to use that to kind of get a sense of what her trip was like how it was going um so she had really uh been having just like a normal a normal time um she went to a taping of a tv show she had posted that she was interested in meeting new people making friends while she was there um so you you know she could have she could have met some strangers through the internet potentially again not necessarily an uncommon thing for tumblr people to like meet up uh or or like connect with each other Really. I mean, 
I don't know. I do. I was raised by a computer teacher who, when she found out I had an AIM account, made me watch like 70 like hours of uh, internet safety videos. So I was definitely not one of those people because my mom was like, someone will come, they will rape you and they will kill you. And I'm like, ah. no, but, but when you're 21, like you're 21, you feel, you feel like, you know, you're an adult and she's traveling by herself. I feel like she would have, I feel like it wouldn't have been uncommon for her to be like, Hey, is there anybody in the area who wants to meet up? Like, I feel like that's not uncommon. No, that's Um, fair. I just have severe anxiety. (laughs) So, uh, the last time, one of the last like public outings that she had done before her disappearance was she went to a bookstore in LA very famous bookstore called the last bookstore and uh she had been searching for some books uh but was worried about how many she wanted to buy because she was going to be traveling more and she didn't want to have too much extra weight to carry um and then she returned to the hotel and that was that was it um so the cops determine on day five of her being after she was reported missing that the hotel had to have something to do with her disappearance that that it had to be related to the hotel because that's she didn't really um well we'll get to it but she never left the hotel is what they figured out so i also felt like the last bookstore felt like somewhat of like a weird omen Mm-hmm. you know oh absolutely it's it's a very ironic um thing that her last the last place she visited was the last bookstore mm-hmm. super creepy yeah. and um the last bookstore itself has like a big like history to it of there's I, I believe definitely been movies filmed there right it's i i think it's also believed to be haunted was what i was gonna say i don't know about movies but I think the last bookstore is also believed to be haunted or associated with some paranormal things. Um, so. I smell a trip. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so the Cecil Hotel, we kind of jump into more of the history of like the construction. And this is when Amy Price gets, find, like seriously, find, find you a person who talks about you like she talks about the Cecil Hotel. Um, cause the Cecil hotel is a dumpster fire and she's yeah. talking about it. Like is the, like the fucking, um, I don't know, the <laughs> metropolitan museum. I don't know. Anyways. Um, so it's, yeah. not- it's her pride and joy. It place. is her pride and joy, which I'm like, we'll get into it, but her going into the history of like some of the shit that's happened there. I'm like, I've been a hall director for four years and I've seen some like weird stuff, but if I had to deal (laughs) with that, forget 10 years. I don't even care how little money I would make other places. I'd be out. Like, it's just not worth my time. But Um, again, she couldn't have been making so much money and what this place was not like, it wasn't a luxury fancy hotel like she couldn't have been making that fantastic of a salary no I know but I'm also like why would you stay but anyways so because she's weird she's so strange I'm so sorry they actually in the in that video I was talking about they were like oh she could be a psychopath and I'm like yes I believe it she's she's weird 
I will uh, again. We will get into it, but she nine- killed Elisa Lamb. Anyway, um, <laughs> oh no! Uh, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, for legal reasons, that was a joke. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, so, um, 1919, LA is like a poppin' area. Everybody is flooding in. There's this huge boom. The Cecil opens at the end of 1919, and it costs about one million dollars to construct back then. Obviously, a lot more now um again didn't do the yes so i i looked it up um so my my uh my source aka wikipedia said that it was completed the the construction was completed in 1924 um but i don't know if that's i mean it's only a five-year difference not that big a deal but um and it cost about 1.5 million to complete which would have been um, almost $23 million in today's money. It was three wealthy guys that put a bunch of money into it. And in total. Oh, shocker. <laughs> it was three wealthy guys that built it and they put a bunch of money in, into it. Um, and in total, they eat, they invested between the three of them about two and a half million. Um, hmm. Which then would be double. So like. 50 million dollars interesting um i do think that um i mean hotels can still open um without being completed yeah Yeah. so maybe like the initial ground floors were opened and then they continue to add on to it but um oh i love did you add that what the in (laughs) sorry i take the notes but i love the inflation calculator would be 22.9 yeah (laughs) I added that that's why I that's why I said okay because I was I was like I didn't write that um the Cecil is huge um especially for the LA area it has roughly 700 rooms um so it's like it was uh very easy to see on the skyline of LA back then um, mm-hmm. It was a traveler hotel. It was not really a luxury hotel because yes, it was so- cl- it was close to the train station. So a lot of people would be like, "Oh, well, I just came in. I'll just you know go to this cheap hotel." And that was actually really common in that time period. Mm-hmm. So in that time period, there was in that area in downtown LA near the train stations, there was a bunch of residential hotels, is what they're called. Yep. Um, built there was a ton of them built and um it was yeah meant for anybody who was coming in on a train um could could find a cheap place to stay so like mm-hmm. you know if you're running away if you're wh- what would they call the the um people that would like hop on the trains and ride them or whatever um vagrants yeah like you could you could stay, you could have a cheap place to stay whenever you, when you got to LA yeah. and people wanted to go to LA because it was a, um, as we said, it was pop in. Yeah. It was a big booming city and, and, um, you know, you're, you're a young traveler. You want to make it in, in Hollywood. You want to be a star. So, I want, I was, want to be famous. <laughs> and initially you could pay m- m- uh, monthly rates to live yes. there as well. Yes. You could. Still, now now you, you can't well i mean no, like after well, yes modern well, modern time you could you could not it was just weekly and daily rates um but it used to be weekly daily and monthly rates so you used to be able to basically live there uh clearly we know that 
Abby loves the Cecil. Um, I did extra research on I the history. See, of I see that. Um, <laughs> so suddenly the stock market crashes. We go into a Great Depression. The 1930s come about and the hotel is down on its luck. So it starts uh, pretty much letting in anyone who wants to come and stay for really cheap um, mm -hmm. prices. So for short term or long term, as Abby mentioned, it's known as a residential hotel. So like there were people who, uh, as we later find out, they've been living in there for 30, 40 years. Like it, it's like an, an apartment building to them. Um, and so obviously, as we know, because of how cheap it is and because of the location and the area being down on its luck, you have a lot of people flooding into it that are not, um, they, they're not like the up to snuff, like luxury, high paying people. So there's a lot of drug dealings, a lot of sex work happening and a lot of violence that continues to follow um, the history of it and lead to its bad reputation. And as our lovely general manager, Amy Price says, <laughs> the Cecil is the Titanic. It's beautiful. It's sent off. It's unsinkable. And then it sinks. I'm like, yeah. Um, oh, I wanted to add that it was also known as a place to go and have affairs. Um, so it was like, you know, meet me at the Cecil. It was it was an adulterer's uh, location, so it was like a kind of viewed as like a, a sleazy motel, you know, because that's where, <laughs> right? That's in the, the stereotype. That's where people go to have affairs. Is that the yeah. cheap motel? Oh so no! Was... But I'm just thinking about the sheets. Yeah. Uh... <clears throat> <clears throat> Anyways, <laughs> you go abs. So um back to the detectives talking about elisa um they said they knew they were running out of time that she was definitely uh at that point there was there was she she had to have been been in danger they wanted to turn to the public for help um then they they share they share some of elisa's tumblr posts one where she says um you know i take things too far uh, my mouth is my downfall and it will get me into trouble someday i have no filter like she talks about herself as like uh more of a a uh, an unfiltered person like a yeah. cute naive little you know almost yes. Im immature and not thinking before she speaks type of person mm -hmm. and so then we go back to our uh the the british couple that stayed there sabina and mike they talk about how one morning they like after they first got to the hotel they were like oh let's wake up bright and early go for a walk we're in downtown la we must we're in the middle of the action like let's go see the area and they start walking and then um they uh run into skid row because downtown la is basically uh and where the cecil is is right in the midst of Skid Row. Um, <clears throat> I also did uh, research into the history of Skid Row, so I will be adding some. Ooh, okay. So do you, do, you want, do you want me to do the groundwork and then you fill in where you want to fill in? Yeah, so um, Skid Row is the largest homeless population um, in LA. As of 2019, I believe the population was about 
5,000 homeless people. You cannot tell me that it's not far surpassed that with the pandemic. Yeah, it's probably a lot more now. Um, But there are like 5,000, you know, permanent, not permanent, but like, you know, long-term people that live residents. on the sidewalks mm-hmm. yeah residents of skid row um <clears throat> it's known as one of the most violent areas uh in the in la and in the united states in general uh known for a lot of drug work uh drug problems um violence sex work you know it, it's been around as a population for the homeless for um, almost 100 years. Mm-hmm. So it it started becoming in the 1930s with the Great Depression, it started becoming an area where homeless people would stay. Um, and that's why, you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of residential hotels, cheap places to live in the area. Um, <clears throat> so people would kind of go there thinking, like people who were down on their luck, who didn't have a lot of money would go to that area thinking that they could find um, a place to stay for cheap. Yeah. And then as well, that was where like the welfare offices were, um, any kind of services for people who were living in poverty could be found in that area. So people flocked to that area looking for help. And a lot of these people ended up um, not getting the help they needed and living on the street. Well, and not so- only that, but as we find out, like they're dropped there. Like they, yes. people get out of prison, people get out of mental psych wards. Abby has some shit she wants. To I'll spill. get there. Um, I'll get there. Yeah, they're basically just bust to this one location. Yeah. So in the early two thousands, um, it was discovered that um skid row was a dumping ground for um the not just the police but um hospitals as well so mental hospitals or regular hospitals if somebody was staying that they knew was um homeless or would need some kind of service they would just drive them in groups to skid row and drop them off there with nothing um so it was uh they tried to take legal action against the hospitals that did it and um not not the police force though nothing really happened to the police for doing that um am i shocked because the police claimed <laughs> <laughs> the police claimed that it was what was it like that they own the only reason why they were bringing homeless people to that area is because they would pick up people to arrest them or like detain them because they were violating city ordinances and then ask them instead of like fully arresting and booking them they would say oh well where where do you stay where do you live and um, a lot of these people would stay in Skid Row, so they would just go and drop them off there. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I was going to say, they probably were like, well, we picked them up from this area, so why not just drop them back at this area? Right. So the there was some legal action that the city tried to take against the hospitals that were doing this. Um, one hospital 
was ever one hospital was charged uh with false imprisonment which isn't even a like related to what they did um and there were several more hospitals where legal action was brought against them but they settled out of court for millions of dollars and that was how they covered it up Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it is basically they got slapped on the wrist you know minimal minimal uh damage for dumping homeless people in um this area so super fucked up um super fucked up so uh yeah and they they kind of shared at one point that there was legit like containment as abby was saying they pushed these people into this area to almost clean up the surrounding areas of LA um, so that they would only have to focus on this this one particular area, which if we hadn't mentioned, it is 56 blocks. Um, mm-hmm. And as Abby said, it, the n- numbers can change, but in the documentary, it says 8,000 to roughly 10,000 people live there. Um, and they at one point had actual like barriers um where like police would keep people in there but they also talked about how there was an open drug market pretty much that like you would just walk into this area and just fucking buy drugs um and then you'd you'd be dealing with people who were it's pretty much like a boiling pot like Mm -hmm. you include drugs in it you include mentally ill people you include uh, you know, people who have gone to jail maybe for violent crimes. I'm assuming that the first two kind of lead to the the prisoner aspect of it. Um, and so it's it's just a hot boiling pot of like disasters waiting to happen where you have these people who are tripping out with people who might be mentally ill who clash, people who are mentally ill who are taking the drugs to to cope with it um and mm-hmm. one of the cops actually said he legit says my tour in skid row which i was like you only hear people refer to tour as in war like going to like my tour in afghanistan my tour yeah. in the middle east and this guy also mentions at one point that like he watched a guy literally eat the head off of a pigeon yeah, that's really that's really messed up. So, so yeah, he he, you have a lot of people there who are experiencing a lot of different issues, mm-hmm. and um, it also became a popular place for veterans after World War II because they felt like they didn't, um, you know, and like because people came back from the war feeling like they didn't belong anywhere, and you know, PTSD. Was a huge issue that was never wasn't really addressed. That's um, also and, not and, if they didn't have you know disabilities because of it mm-hmm. now, and those are where the services are provided. Exactly. So the, that's where a lot of services. That's where you could get a lot of services. Mm-hmm. So it became a very popular place for veterans, um, <clears throat> and just it's it's a real it's a really messed up history that they intentionally decided to just keep people there and they've also changed uh city ordinances and laws to allow people to sleep there um 
because throughout history they've done a bunch of there have been a bunch of different periods of time where they have tried to do sweeps of the area basically arresting people just for being homeless um and confiscating all of their belongings so i read i read one um one instance where one man was arrested and they they confiscated um his tent his uh cooking materials that he had uh everything they confiscated it from him um because he was sleeping on the sidewalk illegally he was camping illegally um they've changed the laws that um between the hours of 9 p.m and 6 30 a.m you are allowed to sleep on the street there however you cannot be within 10 feet of a commercial building um like the entrance to a building mm-hmm. and anyway they have like a bunch of like weird laws um they've tried to do all these sweeps where they just arrest hundreds of people at a time and at one point um the district attorney for LA was like I'm not prosecuting anybody who's arrested in these sweeps because you can't just arrest people for being homeless I was going to say, tell, tell me what the benefit of that is, because if anything, you're taking away their shelter and the way for them to survive. You're then putting them in a, in a jail cell. And so now they have a criminal record who is going to continue to prevent them from getting a job if, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you put them back on the street they're basically starting from the bottom all over again. You're just perpetuating the cycle and, over and over again. And you're dropping, not to mention, you're dropping them right back in the same spot that you arrested them in for mm-hmm. <clears throat> for doing exactly what they're going to continue to do. Um, so you're just putting them through a cycle of um, homelessness and being arrested for being homeless. Um, it's yeah i was reading i read a lot about the history of it it's incredibly fucked up incredibly fucked up so we can't not talk about the cecil uh we can't not talk about skid row when we're talking about the cecil um because they're right intermingling in the areas and um a lot of people would stay a lot of people like homeless individuals would stay at um would stay at the Cecil when they had money. Mm-hmm. So like, if you had a few bucks, you could get a place to stay for the night that had a shower and a bed and you could, you know, you could warm, warm you could be warm, have a nice place to sleep. Um, not nice, but. <laughs> quote unquote um, nice. Quote unquote nice. Nicer than the street to sleep. Yeah. Place to sleep. Um, but basically, they were they were doing this to, in the documentary to also show that like this is a dangerous area, but it was extremely easy for a very um, naive individual, um, young person who wants to meet people, who wants to be friends with people, who t- will literally talk to anybody wandering into this area and mm-hmm. maybe getting herself into um, issues. Uh, or a situation yeah do you want to talk about the security footage um well i I, i'm i'm gonna talk about the little bit about the hotel but i left you the security footage and then the famous deep dive into the security footage hold on there was something that i wanted to add and i can't find i had added a note but I, i can't find it um that uh, just 
one more fact about the history of the area. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yes. Okay. So a lot of the resident, I found it, a lot of the residential hotels that were built there in the 1920s ended up being demolished in the 1960s because there was an attempt to clean up Skid Row. Oh. And so the attempt was to demolish all, um, like, basically, like, buildings that were kind of in bad shape. So it was, like, any um, empty buildings or buildings that are, like, run down, they're going to demolish them. And what happened was a lot of these residential hotels that were offering people places to stay for ridiculous cheap, ridiculously cheap, it was cheaper to have the hotel demolished than it was to uh, make renovations to to keep the hotel so in the 1960s they destroyed most of the residential hotels in that area which ended up uh making the homeless population in skid row surge like enormously tremendously so the cecil is one of the only residential hotels left in that area that Mm -hmm. um continued to offer uh inexpensive places for people to stay which is why like again just they they did like basically everything to make sure that homeless people would stay homeless and have really miserable situations so it's awful um yay i love capitalism and society uh-huh. <laughs> so back back to elisa lamb um the detectives start searching um through security footage of the hotel they're watching hundreds of hours um the thing about the cecil uh being you know not a great uh hotel there wasn't cameras on every floor so the floor where eliza was staying there were no cameras um and but the hotel the um elevators had cameras so they figured if you'd use the elevator they'd be able to find her and um that that's when they find the notorious elevator footage. <laughs> um, Which that comes up a little later, but. Yes, that's where we find the notorious elevator footage, which is her in the elevator behaving strangely. But that is when they find the last footage of her um, alive. And they realize very quickly after watching the footage that she never leaves the hotel. She gets off the, ho- gets off the elevator on a, um, a floor within the hotel and, and walks around the corner and disappears and that's it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. So they kind of go back into the history um, really quick of the hotel a little bit, um, just kind of to understand the situation in general of being in the hotel. So um, the hotel, because of the residential um, laws um, applying to the hotel, this is a lot of times where people who didn't have the money for deposits and also those who couldn't get background checked because they had a criminal record um, would go to live or, you know, rent a space. Um, So, you know, and they kind of do some deep dives into like, Amy Price is like, oh yeah, we had thousands of 911 calls. And then another cop's like, yeah, like we had at least one to three specifically for the CISA hotel, like a day. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of it, domestic violence, a lot of it, arson. Like one guy was trying to set a hallway on fire. Um, If people were having like bad trips on drugs, 
you know, stabbings would occur, uh, dead bodies would be found. Um, it's literally quoted as being hell on earth. Um, and Amy Price gives us this weird story where she's like showing somebody around the hotel and stumbles upon this like police sniper who's like, there was a stabbing and there's like a guy running around freely in the hotel. Like, what are you doing? Get out of the way. Yeah. Which I'm kind of like, how does the general manager not know about this? But okay. <laughs> um, so the tourist pop. So then there's on top of the, the residential you know, poor people living within this hotel. There's also the other side of it, of a very large population of tourists who who don't really know the area. So they get kind or of- Or staying there. Yeah, but they yeah. almost get, they almost get like pulled into it. Like they have no idea yeah. what they're showing up to. They just know it's just, cheap and a place to stay. Exactly. Just like the the British couple that we see, yep. um, they, they just kind of see, well, it's worth- it's a it's inexpensive compared to the other hotels in in LA yep. um, and you're right downtown so you're gonna have easy access to transportation well and- because most most downtowns and cities are like amongst the action and like what you want yeah to be that's supposed to be the touristy area right the downtown yeah um, um so the hotel so they're they're kind of like yeah so we had like a very large population we had a lot of things that we had to be concerned about. Um, it was definitely drumming up more panic and um, mm-hmm. drive to find her. So the hotel needed to be searched top to bottom. Um, now to give context, the hotel has about 700 rooms and about 600 closets, um, which- So they, they have to search literally everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. There's also only 14 of them doing this. Um, so they're going from floor to floor to floor. They use scent tracking dogs at one point. Um, they're checking everything for where a body could be hidden, where a person could be hiding, where someone could have gotten trapped. They check the dumpsters. Um, the dog, one of the dogs goes to the, finds her son in the room and goes and follows it to a window where there is a fire escape out there. This is also like they're, they're coming up to a 14 to 16 hour day. These cops who are doing it, they are like, okay, we got to check the roof. They do a helicopter up there. They check it. They find nothing. Now I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I know that this is probably not what most people want to hear, but as somebody who has had to do building checks and check for damage and check for everything and make sure that things aren't left behind because of my job. Um, doing 700 rooms within yeah. 14 to 16 hours where it's just 14 of you nonstop. By the time you get to the top, you're going to be doing a half-assed job. I'm, I, right. It's just sim- simple as that. Human beings are human beings. We're going to make errors. We're tired. You know, there shouldn't have been just 14 of them doing it obviously like they only have so much manpower that they can do but it i really think that to have done a sufficient job they should have divided up divided it up into two days but i also understand the panic and the that was the process that they had to go through but as somebody who has had to check rooms i'm not as efficient as I am on the first couple rooms as I am on the last couple rooms because I'm like I just want to be done with it 
So I yeah. do want to give them the, ben- the benefit of the doubt. I know a lot of people are going to be critical, but it feels it, it's that. tedious. And also we can put a, um, we can put a, uh, not, you know, the individuals themselves m- might not necessarily be to blame so much as it is the, whoever decided that they're only needed 14 people to search a 700 room building um mm-hmm. you know yeah <laughs> like so a dramatic issue I just I, I kept thinking that whenever I kept seeing that and I know that a lot of people were like well why didn't they check the roof why didn't they check the roof better why didn't they do this better I'm like okay but then also it's it's hindsight 2020 like yeah. you're saying this because something had occurred but if nothing had occurred you know I mean, I'll get, I'll get into it a little bit later on too. That's just going to be my catchphrase. We'll we'll get, we'll get into it. Um, But so the next day they were like, oh, we were going to check back in with each other. But the problem was, is that there had been a situation where Christopher Dorner um, was, had been a previous LAPD cop. He wages this war against the LAPD and starts going after cops to kill them. And so there's, there's obviously a greater demand because there is an actual threat right now to the department yeah. as a whole. So there is a new tact force that is, um, you know, pulling manpower. So like I said, you go from 18 or 14 people checking the building. You had 18 cops um, working on this case. Now you have four detectives. And yeah. that, that kind of shows, um, you know, another problem that they run into. Mm-hmm. And um, so then now it's been 13 days that she has been missing. Um, the uh, cops, their investigation is really going nowhere. So they make the decision to share the famous elevator footage with the public as a way to try and say, um, as a way to try and see if anybody can come forward who knows her or might know something about what happened. And that is where we get to uh, the the internet going wild with this. Because this video is bizarre. It's creepy. It's strange. It's very unusual. It doesn't make sense. So you see Eliza come into the elevator. She pushes a lot of buttons on the elevator. She peeks her head out. She's looking left and right, looking around. She hops out of the elevator at one point. She goes back into the elevator. She's hiding in the corner. She's looking around like she's looking for somebody. The door stays open and the elevator does not move this entire time, which is bizarre again. Because we've all um, been in elevators. <laughs> Yeah, and if you've pushed a bunch of floors, the elevator should shut and you should go. Mm-hmm. Um, then we see, <clears throat> then we see the, uh, you know, she she comes back in, she pushes some more buttons, she eventually goes out, walks away. You see her kind of disappear around that corner, and um, that's the end. the The elevator door shut, that and the elevator. Uh, they open again. again yeah the elevator starts to work as soon as she leaves um the elevator door shut elevator moves the doors open again you know nobody there that's empty so very 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 weird um and 
you know, because the door's not shutting, the police think, well, if somebody holding the door open, like if somebody holding the button on the outside mm -hmm. to call the elevator that's keeping the, the door open, is, is she trying to hide from somebody? Is somebody, you, you know, because she's looking around suspiciously, she looks, she looks nervous she looks like she's talking she might be talking to somebody at one point because she like moves her hand like in a weird way she literally um, looks like either she is possessed or she's tripping on drugs or she's freaking out because she's trying to hide from somebody yeah it's super it's super super strange super unusual it's not like anything <laughs> that you've ever seen before um so this people the internet finds the video and then it blows up because everybody is like what the hell is happening in this video what's happening to this girl theories mm -hmm. are starting to come in from the internet that oh something something suspicious must have happened something weird um this doesn't you know this doesn't make sense um and I do think and, that I understand why the, the police did it of like, they, they didn't yeah. have the resources. So of course they like wanted help with it. But at the same time, like there is a part of me where I'm mm -hmm. like, you guys shot yourself in the foot. Like you made this, this case more difficult yeah. by asking the greater population and society to like help you out with this because people yeah. get invested as two people who were very invested obviously yeah. not like we weren't like you know trying to hack a system or anything like something on, like criminal minds or whatnot but <laughs> but like we were we were keeping track like we were looking at tweets we were looking at the video we were looking at youtube channels like yeah we were watching everything and that is where uh that is where episode one ends um so then we move on to episode two mm-hmm so we open back up with our girl, Amy. <laughs> our girl, Amy. Our girl, Amy. Um, she goes into kind of the history of herself and then also um, giving some context. She says that, like, hey, within a few days of her working there, a guest had died in a room. And I want to be like, honey, that was a red flag. Get the fuck yeah. out. Like, <laughs> it's wrong with you. Um, but also, like, as... Um, as somebody, I've watched, um, first off, I know that Wine and Crime did Hotel Crimes, that as well as Mikey from Glam and Gore, she did mm -hmm. a deep dive into hotels. Death in hotels are actually way more common than people want to talk about. Yes. Um, so this seems <clears throat> weird, but it's only weird for the population of people that these deaths are hidden from like yes. you know hotels quickly if there is blood it is cleaned up yeah there have been rooms like they'll just you know you book a hotel room they're not gonna tell you if someone died in the room like obviously not but it's very common it's a common place for people to go in you know uh, complete suicide because it's a private place away from their family and they know that their right. family members won't find them like that's right that's just the the sad truth behind it but mm -hmm. but still I'd be like girl get the fuck out anyways <laughs> this is when 
uh, Price pretty much discovers that there's barely any room within the entire hotel that someone hasn't died in. Yeah. Um, and we get into John Lorden, who uh, is one of the YouTuber talking heads. Um, he shares that his YouTube channel really started because of Elisa Lamb in this story. Um, and that a reporter had shared the video via YouTube because the video had only been released to the press originally. <laughs> and so uploading it to YouTube, it was easily accessed by regular people and mm -hmm. not just like us waiting for it to pop up on the news. Um, and so like Abby said, the video goes viral. There's film footage in China and a whole bunch of other places that they show and creates this like feeding ground for like what happened like we have to figure it out and I do think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we have this uncomfortable feeling as human beings that when someone dies young we have to know the answer you yeah. know where it's like I feel bad but it's like when I've heard of somebody else dying young I search their obituary or something to find out like what caused this because it's it's there's a fear based in it of, well, I'm young. And if this person died young, then how can I avoid that? Like, you can't make peace with it because they didn't die of old age. They shouldn't be dying young, you know? So I think that that also probably didn't help the situation of people being like, I need to know, and I mm -hmm. will not accept an accident being the answer, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, but so Lorden says he started his channel um, it kind of becomes like a almost a meeting platform for people to share um, information that they found, research that they found, pointing each other in the right direction. Um, and this is when a lot of web sleuths and I don't want to say fans, but a lot of web sleuths slash fans, I guess, of oh, Alisa. It's weird to say but um, yeah, a, lot, no. a lot of people flood to her Tumblr posts and read yeah. all of her Tumblr posts. And so they have not only this fascination, but they feel almost connected to like they're like they're friends with this person. Mm -hmm. um, and really, I think this is one of the first cases where the victim is really seen as a human being, like a complex mm -hmm. human being because of how open she was online how she wanted yeah. to share herself. Um, and so we find out from that that Elisa's uh, bipolar um, and that she is seeking treatment and getting help, but she also has her struggles as we've talked about. We have our struggles with our mental health, you know, yeah. and so everything isn't gonna be peachy keen and rainbows and roses and shit. Um, and so a lot of people start to wonder, looking at the video, like, is this a glimpse at her mental health? Uh, like, at what stage she's in? Maybe drugs are involved. Maybe she got high off of something and it caused her to be acting this paranoid, but. Right. And that's, that's when we learn that uh, at the time of Elisa's death, the room she was staying in, she had been sharing with two other women to other young women who ended up complaining to the hotel um, about Elisa and about her behavior. And this was on like the last day that she was staying there. Um, so she was moved to a private room mm -hmm. there. That was their solution. They moved Elisa to a private room um, to 
so to prevent any like further conflict um <clears throat> so at the time of her death she was actually staying in a completely separate she was staying in a room by herself which Abby, um, question for you as somebody who mm-hmm. also has a minor in psychology and is familiar with mental health concerns and stuff what are your thoughts about the hotel's actions well uh considering that considering considering that um her considering that it's seven it's a 700 room building um and considering the uh level of like things that they see on a daily basis um somebody behaving strangely not really their priority um and not really anything that they're going to focus all of their their effort on you know should they have maybe <laughs> you know uh seen if they could get her some mental health services or or, or tried to talk to her to see if she was in a crisis state mm-hmm. um yes but uh it's a hotel I'm sure the the employees are not trained in mental health um, situations. I'm sure they're not trained in how to, in who to contact or how to contact people in any kind of mental health crisis. So I I, I guarantee you, uh, it's just not it's just not in their wheelhouse to handle it. Um, so. I don't necessarily blame the hotel for not for moving her to a separate room instead of trying to get her help because yeah. I don't know if anybody could have known. I, I don't know if, if the, the people working there would have known um, that she maybe needed help it, it, because it yeah. also, it also could have been just um, a personal a, a personal issue between her and these girls where these yeah. girls were like well we just want a room to the two of us so let's just tell them that she's weird or something you know what I mean like yeah I mean like what you like obviously like I'm sitting here and and when I was watching it at first I was like if someone is having a mental health issue and maybe an episode why would you put them in a separate room but That's also coming from the experience that I have as a full-time residential. I live within the building. I take care of my students. I I feel obligated to take care of them um, in in a more holistic perspective. But I do get what you're saying. Like from a hotel perspective, they have, especially this one, they have bigger fish to fry on different floors and a girl like freaking out and maybe as we find out, leaving notes for the roommates um, it is not as um, red flag as they're used to. But I also think that like there, there, like, there should have been more attention. If she had been trying to hurt the girls she was living with, or if she had been trying to light the hallway on fire, then they probably would have called somebody. But... Yeah. Um, just her, just her having a personal, some kind of conflict with these other two girls that she was staying with, not, not, doesn't seem like such a big deal, um, in terms of what the hotel deals with on a daily basis. Yeah. I mean, she also like is, she was traveling alone. They didn't really have any, you know, responsibility if she 
was going about life her her and she's in the she's an adult and she's not she's not in the care of the hotel the hotel isn't des- designed to take care of her yeah. whereas your your job you are these students are in your care you are supposed to <laughs> you are responsible for their care and their well-being right in some aspects um yeah no I, I get what you're saying um I, I yeah um but I, I definitely was concerned when I first heard that based on what we know later on yeah um <clears throat> so uh when when looking at the video a lot of um a lot of web sleuths start to believe that there might have been somebody outside of the elevator um they they think at one point that they can see like a shoe like a person's shoe um in the corner and um it's odd because eliza is barefoot no i think she's uh, wearing like flip-flops oh she, okay she I has thought, shoes I, on, but the shoes are not the same shoes is what they were they okay. were trying to say okay so yeah you're you're seeing her you're seeing like maybe the corner, but again, it's a really low quality video. It's very blurry. Um, so it's it's not easy to see anything that's going on in there. But which is yeah, people um, are starting to say Which I was gonna say, I sent Abby a thing the other day and I also sent it to Aaron, but um, it was like pictures taken from the Mar the Mars uh ro- rover and it's like crystal clear, yeah. you can see everything and it's like um a surveillance camera from an ATM and you can't see fucking shit. <laughs> and I was like, this is yeah. one of those moments where it's like, why is it that there's like, why can't all cameras, especially ATM cameras, just have good quality cameras? Like it would solve so many yeah. of your problems. Yeah, Anyways. it's a little ridiculous. <laughs> so they also, um, the web sleuths also note that she um had posted on tumblr that she wanted to meet up with people when she was in uh california again like we talked about um that she she was hoping to find people on the internet so they think maybe she maybe she came in contact with the wrong person Mm. maybe the wrong person met up you know uh, messaged her and wanted to to meet up with her then uh we go back to our girl amy talking about la at the time um when she first started there in 2007 that um when she first started working at the hotel it was right after it had been sold um to uh, a company that was trying to upgrade it and make it a little bit nicer um to make it more appealing for tourists because uh, downtown was starting to become a little bit more gentrified and a little bit more um a little bit like I don't want to say nicer but like I think they were trying to-, to do the like boroughs of New York City type yeah. like they were trying to make it bougie yeah exactly um so they were trying to make it a little bit nicer and that is when they learned that because the Cecil Hotel was built as a residential hotel some of it still needs to be designated residential housing that is when they come uh come up with the idea of the stay on main so the stay on main is part of the cecil hotel that they designate to become a different hotel um so that 
part of the hotel remains the residential housing and that's like the first few floors then the next few floors are the stay on main which is designed to be like a youth hostel uh you know good for tourists good Mm -hmm. for young people um supposed to be a little bit nicer uh you know supposed to seem like a much safer place to stay and then the rest of the hotel is the cecil Mm -hmm. and that's just regular hotel rooms um so it it is connected with the same elevator but they're connected with the same elevator and um they try to separate them as much as possible by making separate lobbies there's separate entrances for the cecil versus the stay on main um there's two it's they're really trying to separate it to make it more appealing to to make the stay on main um seem like it's a completely different hotel to get rid of the reputation that the cecil has um and to make it more appealing for people (laughs) Yeah, just someone needs to sage that building. Um, Yeah. But yeah, so kind of going into the, um, Amy helps us transition into kind of the conversation about death within the Cecil um, Mm -hmm. by saying that within the 10 years she worked there, about 80 people died, which is eight a year. And there's 12 months in a year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, honey, no go run run um it's almost it's almost like you need those we have gone so many days without an incident oh my god uh, we have gone this long without a death without a death yeah there there would literally need to be we've gone this many days without a death we've gone this many days without a stabbing this many days without um yeah domestic violence like just the whole thing is just so sad and ridiculous i do have to commend her for like 10 years of your life to trying to make this crazy ass building better like you have a lot more balls than i do honey because i i don't have the mental capacity to to deal with why why would you get so invested in something that's like she could have died working there <laughs> like I, I would have been girl I would has have, her own mental health problems she needs to deal with I would have feared for my own safety every day like I don't understand why you would oh a hundred oh a hundred percent I mean, it's listening to this woman talk about the Cecil is like listening to somebody say I was in a relationship for 10 years with this really toxic person and here's all the red flags that I saw from them over the 10 year span and you're sitting there and you're like and you didn't you didn't like do anything like you didn't you didn't break up with them and she's like didn't leave and she's like no I loved it it was supposed to be it was meant to be it was a beautiful thing and you're like wait no wait but but, like, but. honey, can we sit down? <laughs> can we talk about this? Have you processed this? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and she also shared the fact that this was like her, she had never managed a hotel before either. So I kind of want to be like, honey, like if this was just a random job you found, like why? Um, anyway, yeah, so back, back to death. Um <laughs> So they um, kind of expressed that some of the first cases that happened slash deaths at the Cecil um, was completing suicide by slashing their own throat, somebody. 
um, a woman was pissed off at her husband and decided uh, that she had had enough. And so she threw herself out a window and landed and killed someone else on the street, which I was like, the probability of that happening. Yeah. Mm. Uh, 1964, we have Pigeon Goldie. Um, I would assume that she would be Abby's best friend. I don't know why, but uh, with- Because uh, her name is Pigeon? No, because she feeds the pigeons. Oh. She like goes outside and feeds the pigeons. Yes, her nickname would... was Pigeon Goldie. Her mother didn't name her Pigeon. What is wrong with you? Um, but sadly, <laughs> our girl Pigeon Goldie um, had been uh, robbed, sexually assaulted, and then stabbed to death. So there was that. And her her murder was is still unsolved. Yes. I, I read... And in my reading of the history of the hotel, um, the first death there was a suicide. Mm -hmm. Uh, There have been at least for recorded suicides, there's been like at least 13 recorded in the history of the hotel. I'm sure there's been many more. Um, But the first recorded death was in 1927. Wait, did you you just say 13 suicides? Yeah. Okay, so that means that that is like a penny in the bucket for the 80 deaths. Yes. <laughs> How much she was there. Yes. <laughs> oh, honey. Uh, also, but, uh, but also are our um, overdoses being counted? I, I don't think so. That's what I'm saying is I don't think um, overdoses count. So that would be like, you know, you have accidental overdoses. Um, okay. Because I was yeah. going to say, I was like, honey. Mm. Um. Okay, so they also said that um, basically in the 80s, it was lawless. Um, One of the gentlemen who had lived there for a number of years said that if you go, he never went above the sixth floor because the higher you went, the higher the probability was that you would be thrown out of the building to Mm -hmm. be killed. Um, Mm -hmm. If drug deals went wrong, domestic violence, a whole bunch of other stuff, they would just throw each other out of the windows. um and then our i'm not gonna say our boy he's not our boy (laughs) he's not our boy um and then uh richard ramirez the night stalker that we talked about the last two episodes um the dick um the dick the dick uh he he only paid 14 dollars a night to stay there if that does not show you how low the prices were um i don't know what will yeah, uh, I think the I think the man that lived there for years and years says says something about how he used to pay like when he first started staying there he used to pay eight bucks or something like that eight dollars mm-hmm. a night and uh, how how cheap it was. Yeah, and so Richard Ramirez was known for he would go as we talked about in the last two episodes. Definitely check those out if you haven't listened to it. Um, But so he would go, he would commit all of these horrible acts on other human beings, come back covered in blood, strip off his clothes, and in his underwear, covered in blood, would walk back up to his apartment building, and no one would stop him. And so one of the talking heads said, like, this says something about the Cecil and what the Cecil was like at this point in time, that a murderer who, you know, was also a pedophile, who tortured people, who was just Satan in physical form. 
felt comfortable coming home to this place and safe knowing that no one would report him like run run from this place yeah because what it it was like um it's like uh you know where marissa and i went to college the tent the city that we went to college in um if you heard gunshots that was a pretty regular occurrence right we would play Um, the game of is it fireworks or is it gunshots almost always it was gunshots but so it's something where it's it's completely normalized so somebody somebody you know covered in blood coming up the stairs it's like well you know just a tuesday (laughs) yeah exactly like i've seen that before or like whatever or also there's the fear that like (laughs) is this guy gonna throw me out the window if i (laughs) like is asking why he's covered in blood um or it's one of those like don't don't ask don't tell like you just you know mind mind your own business a very a very new york attitude mind your yes. own business put your blinders put your blinders on not asking yeah. for trouble like exactly um, uh, i did actually the funny part was is that i said um in it that the reviews of it said run unsafe and where dreams go to die and they kept saying that the the you know community elevator was known as a vertical toilet and then I wanted to say, but Abby, what elevator at a specific college that we're not going to say, um, you know, what elevator wasn't <laughs> in that place? I distinct, I distinctly remember several times that uh, <laughs> there would be, you know, vomit in the elevator, um, pee, uh, spilled drinks. Um, all kinds it was of like a freshman initiation for the elevator to get stuck. Yeah. And you could just be trapped in the elevator where like people would go to class and tell their professors like, sorry, I was stuck in the elevator. And the professors knew that it was an actual excuse. Yeah, that's like a, a real thing that occurred many times. Um, so... Uh, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say also vertical toilet elevators just reminds me of all of the elevators at all of the subway stations in New York City. <laughs> I mean, not to be that way, but it seems like New York City is just the whole city is a toilet. <laughs> no, not the whole city. There are, definitely, there are definitely streets in that city that when I've walked in there, especially on like a warm day, it has smelled like piss. Right. So so especially in the especially in the subway stations it's on a hot day it's like it's like a urine sauna um it's really nice (laughs) it's real nice uh real smelly and (laughs) new york new york city's beautiful new york city has its own issues um with homelessness as well we talked about skid row you know new york city has its own uh, issues with the homeless population any, and oftentimes, any major city really and, and oftentimes um, bathrooms are not available to the homeless which is why you will see which is why you will and I have seen uh, urine and feces <laughs> in the subway station um, I've, I've, never see, I've seen, seen I've, ne- I've never seen poop I've never seen poop Boston you'll, find, have. you'll find rats more commonly than you will find pee puddles but uh i've never seen shit i i have seen shit 
that I, I'm like, that's too big to be a dog. Um, <laughs> again, again, goes into a lot of issues that all major cities have with homelessness and public toilets and all kinds of things. <clears throat> Sorry, um, no, I, I heard something the other day. I don't know if it was a TikTok or something, but somebody had done, they were playing an audio message from somebody and this girl was like, I really had to take a shit and the toilet was clogged. So I took a shit in the guy's house that she was like hooking up with in the cat litter yes, box. I've seen this, yes. <laughs> That she Sorry. took a shit in the litter box and then they took the cat to the vet because they thought something was really wrong with the cat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. Yeah. Oh, I snort um, right into the microphone. <laughs> anyway, so uh, the police talk about how the web sleuths made, um, made the case a little bit more difficult for them with all of the uh, constant going going on about conspiracy theories and uh you know i feel like also there was pressure by the internet and the general population on the on law enforcement to solve this yep because it was bizarre and unusual and i feel like there was uh pressure to say that it was a homicide or to say that there was foul play um and i and the police didn't have evidence that went one way or the other at that point um so there was a facebook page made where people would uh post about their theories and um share information that they knew this is when they start to get into questioning the video that the lapd released the elevator footage because uh, the timestamp on the video looks altered. It looks weird. It's like um, almost like covered up. Like it kind of looks like when you've edited a picture and put something like you're in, you're, you're like editing an Instagram post and you accidentally put like the text block on top of the other text block. Right. Yeah. It, it just looks bizarre. Something looks weird about it. That's when they also believe that the uh, footage was slowed down. Mm-hmm. Um, it, by at least like I think they say three times like it was slowed three times slower than um, yeah. the actual video which makes it look even weirder because of the movements that she's making look you know when you when you move in slow motion just looks bizarre it just looks strange looks more weird yeah like Mars is doing right now um, <laughs> so it people start to believe that the footage was tampered with that there's footage missing which okay i go in which then they believe like did the police do it or was it somebody from the hotel that was covering up their tracks mm-hmm. um and that, that's when amy price gets real defensive and she's like nobody altered the footage but what i like police in investigations will hold specific withhold details to mm-hmm. a case in an attempt to to help so right like when we're trying to, when they were trying to catch Richard Ramirez they didn't release the information about the, the shoe um, the shoe because they didn't want him to catch on that they were onto him right mm-hmm. so police will leave out information it's possible that they left out part of the footage 
maybe because somebody got into the elevator or somebody interacted with her that wasn't necessarily a suspect Mm. um but they and they didn't want that person to be implicated in the crime right they didn't want that person to be implicated for her death um or or whatever it could have just just not been relevant information at all like maybe it was 30 seconds of nothing happening and so they just jump cut it yeah it could have been it could have been 30 seconds of you know somebody walking by Mm -hmm. um the front like somebody just walking down the hallway it could have been a million different things um yeah but there yeah it it is it definitely is suspicious and strange that there's footage missing Mm -hmm. it definitely feels more especially with the mystery of the story it's with the mystery of the video and the story itself feels weird that there's something missing. like what are they hiding yeah like uh it definitely makes you suspicious yeah i mean but the whole case is suspicious um yeah so we look at uh, February 19th, 2013, which as we know is day 19. We look back at Mike and Sabina, the couple from England. Um, Sabina shares that she couldn't sleep. Like they were not having a good time in this hotel. It smelled like weed. The water pressure was very low and it had a brown tint to it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so they, they brought this up. They were moved to a different floor and the water pressure was still the same so they were showering drinking and brushing their teeth with the water it tasted weird they complained um and asked that maintenance check it out um because you know you move to a different room you know that it's not that specific faucet so there there has to be a problem with the system in general so this is when Santiago Lopez, the repairman, comes back into the story. And that's kind of why I put him in the notes a little earlier was because he does have um, a big role to play in this. Um, yeah. So he believes that there's got to be a clog after opening up the faucet and not seeing anything blocking it. So him and another worker go up and to check the water tanks, um, which are located on the roof of the building. There's about four of them. Um, He was under the impression that there was either a clog or lack of water in one of the tanks. Um, He specifically says in it, because this comes up later on in the other episodes, he goes up, says that there was a hatch, and he looks down. He does not say Mm -hmm. whether the hatch is open or closed um, and sees Elisa Lamb's body floating in the tank completely naked. Um, says she looks like a ghost. Um, he tells Amy Price that they have a problem, that Elisa Lamb is in the water tanks. Um, Amy Price calls her mother uh, and then calls yeah. the cops. Um, weird. Weird. Yes. Um, I, I definitely think I would have called the cops first and then called my mom. Um, but to each their own, I guess. Um, the hatch... Um, The police say that the hatch was closed when they arrived and she was floating face up, naked and decomposing. The clothing Mm -hmm. that she had had was laying at the bottom of the tank. Um, Mike and Sabina are then, um, they're seen walking out of the building. They, nobody in the hotel is telling them anything. They go up to a reporter. The reporter tells them that Elisa Lamb's body was found in the water tanks it very sadly occurs to them that they've been washing, drinking, brushing their teeth in her decomposing fluid. 
um, which no one ever wants to hear. Um, it's very repulsive. Any normal human being would just be like, um, yeah. So, uh, they freak out, obviously. <laughs> yes. Um, Amy told her staff not to tell anybody anything. They reassigned other people to other hotels. Um, and by that, I mean the guests were moved to other hotels. They had to close up the hotels for good mm-hmm. reason. That system needs to be flushed, which I'm thinking, does that mean that the, like, the permanent residents were also moved? I don't know, but I would assume. I would assume, I would yes, assume, but. Yeah. But it doesn't sound assume, like there was too much care for those people in the first place. I would assume they would have to because they have to shut like the water legally, off. Yeah. Because they have to shut the water off and clean the entire, you know, water pump system for yep. the entire thing. So I would assume that they would have to they would have to have everybody that was staying there yeah. living or not mm-hmm. like, not living <laughs> living or dead uh living there or not living there yeah um <laughs> we, have do, to move. we do see sabina and mike on the actual film film footage from the news report um mm-hmm. the police also say that they that they knew that they checked the roof and so they then have to start asking themselves how was she put there later on was she up there the whole time did we miss her um has she really been up there for 19 days did she die that you know around that time or did she die prior um and the sleuths want her wanted her to be alive they were very upset um and i I have i have this and i think you feel the same way too i have this weird inclination where i'm like you didn't actually know the person so why are you as upset even years later yeah that's the bizarre so the guy one of the web sleuths that they're talking to actually cries when he's talking about this um it's it's unusual it's uncomfy it leaves this like uncomfy feeling in you where you're like i don't know this guy in general, that guy, that particular guy, gives me a weird vibe. So when he was talking about her and when he was talking about her death and he's crying and he's like, it's like, it feels a little bit like you were like unhealthily obsessed with her. Yeah. And that's what I was um, going to say was that I think that you have created this person within your mind so detailed Yeah, because even people that I have known who have passed away, like, and I knew them well. Yeah. Tears don't always come to my eyes when I'm thinking about them. Unless yeah. he's unless he is a narcissist and wants to be on the camera and look like he's crying and like pulled out a nose hair or something for for the pulled drama. out a nose hair. Right, that's a thing. Um, um. <laughs> but but you know, but that's you know what bizarre. I mean. It yeah. was, it's just a weird, it's just a weird feeling. I would also feel the same way if a female, just to put that out there, I would still feel weird if a female person, if the gender was flipped and she was crying over this. Yeah, person I would feel know. anybody. It just, it's just, it's a little strange. Somebody who doesn't know her. I mean, don't get me wrong. If a, if a dog dies in a commercial or if I see like a, an animal, like, like, 
uh, I almost started crying at a, one of those stupid TikToks where the owner and the dogs like um, use a scanner to um, take a picture of their paw prints and hand prints. I almost cried <laughs> at that. But yeah, you know, it's just a little different. But um, yeah. But the episode ends with um, different people's responses to the tweets of finding out that she is dead. And people are like, oh my God, what is happening? Like, we have to figure this out, blah, 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 blah. And that is the end of episode two. That is where we leave off for today. Um, yeah, it, it, it leaves off in a, in a, a point where you... It leaves off in a bit of a not a cliffhanger, but in a in a in a climax of um, okay. Now we know. Now it's not just that she's missing; she's dead. So now something happened. Yes, her death, and we need to figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and Absolutely. it's a little it's a little scary, and yeah, um, yeah. So, but, like I said, I think a lot of my fascination when it came to it was the fact of how young she was. Yeah, because she, sure. she was around our age, roughly. <clears throat> um, but just such a weird, like the video, really. Like I said, that especially, like you said, like they could have played the video at full speed, and that would have had a different reaction to people than it slowed mm-hmm. down in certain parts because it looked more creepy more ghost-like like my my thought process is if you played it at the regular speed no cuts no slowdown would the elevator look like it was broken or would it just look like a normal elevator you know right yeah and I know like there's what well, I remember one of the big theories at the time was that she was trying to play this elevator game that oh, exi- yeah. they, do- they don't talk about it in the documentary but one of the things that they they mention the one of the things that I read in my own personal research of this was that there's some game called like the elevator game that you go to if you're at a hotel like you press like a bunch of these buttons and it's supposed to take you into like another dimension um <laughs> if well, you, there like, was a there was a horror movie I thought called elevator or something like that uh, I think, yeah, I think there was as well. I don't remember it. Yeah. I just know there, that one of the people was like Satan at the end of it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There's a lot of creepy, there's a lot of creepiness surrounding elevators and also surrounding hotels in general mm-hmm. and large buildings like that. So yep. there's theories that she was like trying to, to do something. Yep. Um like that with the elevator i am very excited for the next two episodes that we cover because there's some new conspiracy theories that were brought up within the documentary that i had not been privy to prior to watching the documentary and some recent videos um so get excited um it's really yeah. Plus, also, Abby and I have been talking that we we really want to do like a once my meds are all you know uh, sorted out and whatnot of doing a a drunk dive and watching the Zach Baggins uh, 
uh, ghost hunting in the CISA hotel. <laughs> um, so you'll have to look out for that. But um, Abby, let's do some positive vibes before we go. Also, update, drank the whole coffee. <laughs> there you go. Um, positive vibes for the day. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything I'm particularly looking forward to. Uh, I'm going to make myself something yummy to eat. going to mm-hmm. have a good, a good little lunch, uh, lunch break before we come back for, uh, another recording, uh, for a collaboration episode that will be coming out soon. Mm-hmm. The episode that we are talking about in this episode is the collaboration with Too Loud, which was the previous episode, so make sure you go back and listen to that. And, yeah. I'm gonna... I'm very looking forward to that. That's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, what, are, what are your positive vibes? Um, I was going to say... <laughs> huh? I said, what are your positive vibes, Maria? <laughs> Um, I was also going to say the, the collab is going to be, um, fun because we haven't talked to Sal, um, in a while who we also went to college with, who also has a, a podcast with, uh, his friend, um, for, uh, their podcast was called Too Loud, um, which I don't know if you've watched their videos, but Sal sings a different version of the song, like every. (laughs) <laughs> amazing so I'm looking forward to y- you hearing him do that um because yeah. I've been trying to do my own personal research on on their side of things um so yeah I'm excited for that I'm excited to hear each other's um we're doing stupid criminals um mm-hmm. and so I'm really looking forward to that because Abby and I have always loved to talk about stupid criminals as we talked about the guy who shot himself in the penis um robbing a hot dog stand in New York City <laughs> um so I I'm I'm really hoping that it's just going to be like a really fun um not talking about anything super serious yeah Sometimes it's nice to do the not so serious stuff and just laugh your asses off at people's pure stupidity. Um, so yes. yeah, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to that. And then um, what else? I'm really looking forward to the fact that uh, tomorrow is going to be the first day of March, like, which really Yay, drives home the like one year mark. <laughs> we're into a new month. We're, we're, we're getting onto the year of lockdown, but uh we're getting into a new month we can think of it as a fresh start uh mm-hmm. fresh fresh start to a month and a fresh uh, yeah a, a nice way to 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 enter springtime you know we're we're gonna crawl out of this winter hole that we've been in as well yeah. so yeah uh, so yeah I'm, I'm i'm feeling really good about it um also as like a a fun little thing to you um so my dad got me roses for Valentine's Day. And obviously, last Valentine's Day, they were yellow. Uh, <laughs> and so um, we were getting past it, and I didn't want the roses to go unused. So I made it into rose water. Um, and so I had first done this, like, little, like, cute, like, cork in it, like, 
mm-hmm. some witchy goth vibes. Um, but I had so many that I thought you'd find this funny. Of just it looks it looks like a jar of pee. <laughs> wow, you made a lot of rose water. <laughs> yep. Um, but it just looks like I just have a jar of my own piss sitting <laughs> by the window. <laughs> Speaking of vertical toilets, um <clears throat> I want Erin to post a picture of this. <laughs> <laughs> Me of my jar of piss. If I was to drop it right there. And sh- just shattered. Just shatter it all over the... Um, Your apartment would smell really nice, though. Yeah, but I've, I've broken way too many glasses recently. I don't think I can take <laughs> any more broken glass. Um, yeah. So those are, those are my positive vibes. Um, all right. Uh, let's do our quick uh, butt plugs for our uh, social media. Some quick butt plugs. So you can uh, follow us on Instagram. We are at Caffeinated Crime Pod. We are on Twitter at CWC Pod. And very big and important announcement we have just created a Patreon. Woo! So if you would like to financially support us, please. Because we're, we're poor. Because we're broke. If you would like to financially support our podcast, you know, uh, support our content, please consider donating to our Patreon, subscribing to our Patreon. I don't know exactly what you consider it. Yeah, Um, you become a Patreon member. Yeah, um, become a Patreon member for our page, please. And Um, uh, Erin has been working on uh, creating stickers for us. mm -hmm. Um, And... And yeah, we are going to be creating some bonus content for that. So keep an eye out, please. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> yes. Um, also, um, I have created us a YouTube page um, where we're also going to be posting different videos um, there slash content. Um, we need 100,000 subscribers so that we can post full episodes since we like to talk a lot and we have hour long <laughs> episodes. And the regular YouTube channel only allows 15 minutes if you have under 100,000 subscribers. So do a girl a favor and go on <laughs> Crimes While Caffeinated on YouTube and hit subscribe for um, the notifications. Um, hit the notification bell. Um, also, <laughs> you can also. I was also oh, sorry. Say, um, <laughs> we're also coming up in a few weeks to our. Uh, the, to find out who the winner is of our coffee $25 gift card. Um, that ends March 16th, 2021. So please make sure that you go on our Instagram page, um, mm. specifically in that post, follow us on Instagram, and then tag three of your friends to be entered to win a gift card to your choice of coffee shop. Yes. So uh, be sure to enter that. Oh, and if you have our if you have any suggestions if you want to send us pictures of your cat uh you can you can shoot us an email um we are crimes while caffeinated at gmail.com yes uh please yeah shoot us an email let let us know what you think what you want you know any episode suggestions anything like that so Yeah. yeah well thank you guys so much for tuning in as always and Abby, Don't forget to take your meds. Yo meds. Take your Yo meds. meds. Okay. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye.